Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. I'm going to do things a little different again this morning, and uh, I'm excited about this. Every once in a while in life, you meet someone and you go, man, they're awesome. And then you realize God has something really special planned in this person's life. She didn't know I was going to say that. She didn't know I really think that, but I really do believe that. And I am so excited. So I asked Madison to share her testimony. It's not going to be real long. I well, it, it might be like real long. I don't know. But it's just great to have her, whatever God's got to say through her. I want you to hear it today, okay? So listen, let God speak to your heart. Madison. Thanks. Okay, my pastor asked me to do this a few weeks ago. I was humbled and excited, but also extremely nervous. My biggest fear is, you know, what people think of me, and it's a lot hard. It's really hard to share your story and worry about what people are going to say. But, you know, lately God's been calling me to step out of my comfort zone and just say yes. So here's my redemption story. Growing up, I spent a great part of my life at church. I was there on Sundays. I was there on Wednesdays. Any event for kids or teens, I was there. My entire family went to church, and I was that kid at school that would invite you to come to church with me on the weekends. I was baptized when I was 12, and until recently, that was the last time I felt close to God. Through high school, I did the church thing, but, you know, never really had a relationship. I didn't, I didn't talk to him. I prayed before meals. I read my Bible occasionally. Um, I knew all the churchy answers in Sunday school and did and said what was expected of me there. Then came the summer before my freshman year at Ball State. Seven days after I graduated high school, I was told that my mom had stage 2 pancreatic cancer. <sighs> From then on, my entire life was changed. She battled for a year and a half. I still went to church. I prayed for her to get healed. I watched her get anointed, prayed for by people we didn't even know, and still praised God throughout the entirety of it, all up until the day that she died. I left the house that morning to head back to Ball State, knowing that that was going to be the last time I would see my mom alive. I told her it was okay for her to go. I was 19 years old. My sister had just turned 16 10 days before. The months following her death were a blur. I had to be strong for my sister, my dad, my cousins, my entire family. I told myself I couldn't feel. I started blaming God for what had happened. If he was the God of healing, why couldn't he heal my mom? It just wasn't fair. Then I started blaming myself for what had happened. Maybe if I had prayed more. Maybe if I hadn't sinned so much. Maybe if I had been a better Christian. I had too many questions and not enough answers. I pulled away from him and everyone else around me. I sank into a depression. I drank to get rid of the feelings, but it only made them worse. I started depriving myself of food as punishment for being sad. I was sick, but I was hiding it well, or so I thought. By the middle of my junior year of college, a year and a half after my mom's death, I started contemplating cutting, and then contemplating worse. I didn't have a plan, but I was suicidal. I wanted to end the pain, end the grief, end everything. But God hadn't left me even though I'd walked away from him. My college roommate, who I will forever thank God for, got me help. I started going to counseling, got on anxiety and depression medicine, and had um, started talking to people instead of shutting down. I got better. I got healthier. 
I knew my triggers for my anxiety attacks and I had steps to deal with them. It wasn't easy, but I started feeling joy again, true joy. God gave me an amazing man and his family to join my support system, along with my family and friends. Life was looking up, but I still blamed God for what had happened. And he kept nudging me to tell him how I really felt about him instead of burying it deep into my heart. But I didn't until about two months ago during revival here at church. I had had a rough day, and the last thing I wanted to do was come to church that night. But I went anyway because I knew there'd be more questions if I didn't show up rather than if I did visibly upset. And I'm glad I did because that was the day I recommitted my life to God. I don't remember exactly what the message was about that night, but I do just remember God and I arguing the entire time, him going, give it to me, let it go, give it to me, put it on the altar, and me saying, I couldn't, I can't. If I wasn't angry at him, what was my last connection to my mom? Her death would just be in vain. <sighs> that probably went on for the entire service. And then came the final altar call. I went to the altar that Wednesday, and I told him that I hated him. I hated him for what he did and what he did to my family, but I was done with that hate. I wanted him to clear my heart of the nasty black hatred in there and fill it with love, love for him and love for others. I recommitted my life that day and have been on the journey of trying to say yes to God when he asks and coming to him first when the days are bad and when the days are good. I started looking at life through the lens of gratitude. Sure, this situation right now may stink with the parent or the family member or the student, whatever's going on, but there's so many more things that are going right. And what am I thankful for? Because those are always going to outweigh the negatives. And I hope and I pray that I can keep this perspective in life because at the end of the day, everything happens for a reason and a purpose. And God has blessed us in so many ways. That's my redemption story. We all have a story that's the thing about life is life is made up of all these great events and stories and great events i mean events that happen whether we want them to or not and god is in the process and in the in the work of of redeeming and using those stories to bring redemption that's what we got to remember it's all about bringing redemption to us he's not about tearing us down or putting us down it's about bringing redemption second corinthians last week i read to you second corinthians chapter two but thanks be to god who always leads us in triumphal procession in christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him for we are to god the aroma of christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing uh, to the ones we are the smell of death to the other the fragrance of life and who is equal to such a task and in Romans 8, 28, it says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And that, that scripture is tough sometimes. I told you last week some of my story, and, you know, I have a totally different story than you do, and, and I shared a lot of different things. Some of that story was really awesome. Sometimes were fantastic. Other times were really tough and really difficult and things that I had to go through. But it was how God led me in triumphal procession, how he has led me in my life to where I'm at right here, this very moment in front of you. And it's going to be how he's going to lead me into his presence one day in heaven. And I know that. And so I would never change one little thing. I'm serious. I don't want to change one little bit of that because I'm afraid that if I took one little thing away, it would take the pressure off. And maybe I'd go away and I'd miss 
what God had for me. And I'd miss being what God wanted me to be. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I was conquered by Christ. I'm thankful that Madison can testify that Christ conquered her, brought her to this place where she could say, I hate you, and then asking for forgiveness. That's amazing. I'm thankful for all that he has done and allowed me to be today. And I want to go back and, and just take a look at the parade one more time because my parade starts way back. It doesn't start right here with me and yours too. God has been working at bringing us to the place we're at for a very long time. And for my parade, it goes back to my mom's family with Cyril and Elsie Gray. And my mom was raised in the great metropolis of Moonsville, Indiana. How many of you know where Moonsville, Indiana is? Anybody? There's a few of you. That's only because you got lost one day driving and you turned off 332 and you ended up going south instead of north and the next thing you know you're in a little town with a trailer that was the main building in town and it's called moonsville i mean there's nothing there you know what they're famous for what's anybody know what moonsville's famous for they were going to hold a rock concert right after woodstock it didn't happen but they were going to i mean that's it that's nothing now and then she moved to lynn uh, linwood because you know linwood is even more of a metropolis than moonsville and i mean you know that's how she grew up I have no, I have no uh, idea of the circumstances of how my grandparents got married. My, my grandfather was a, was a sailor in the Navy right after World War I. And, and I remember him briefly. I was five years old when he passed away. So I don't remember a lot of him. What I do remember is, is he had kind of long white hair. And it just was kind of like everywhere. And, and he worked at Delco. He was a, like a, a, a pipe fitter or something at Delco. He, he was always working. And, and he was just like... This guy, when he would sit in his house, he'd sit in his little white wife beater t-shirt and he had tattoos on both arms and his long white hair. I thought he was like the coolest guy that ever lived. I mean, he was amazing. I had never seen tattoos before. That was the first time I'd ever seen that. And he had those from when he was in the Navy. He always seemed like an old man to me. Like I said, he was, uh, I was only five when, when he passed away. He wasn't very old either. My grandfather was also, though, the, uh, not only worked at Delco, but he was a the pastor of Vermilion's Friends Church right out here on 332. He, he pastored that church until the day he died. My grandmother, I, I don't remember at all because she died before I was ever born. She died when my mom was 12, and I have no memories of her whatsoever. My grandfather had not always been a Christian, and I've told this story before, but it's a great story. He, he was living his life for himself, working at Delco, doing his own thing after he got out of the Navy. He had a wife, and he had at least one daughter at that point, maybe two. And, and my mother was his oldest, and they were, they were outside doing something, and she had all of her baby dolls, and she had lined them up and put them in a line, and she was standing there, and she was like three or four years old, and she cussed them out using the words that she had heard her father say. And it broke his heart. And he realized what he was doing. I think he had had some religious training, some spiritual training. And so he, it hit him and he realized. And she said he fell to his knees there and convicted of sin. He confessed and was saved. And God used him, called him into ministry, changed his life. And, and I know that many were led into the kingdom through him. I, I was at the camp meeting uh, for our church, our denomination up in Marion one day. And a man came up to me and said, are you Cyril Gray's grandson? And I was like, wow, no one's called me that in a long time. But yeah, I am. I'm proud of that. And uh, he said, you know, he's what led me to the Lord. And he said, I still have some books that he loaned me. And then he died right after he loaned them to me. And I never were able to give them back. Can I give them to you? And he brought them to me. So I know God used him to change lives. 
About the time my mom was a senior in high school, he remarried, and he had not remarried before that. She was 12, and so from 12 to about 18, he, he was unmarried for that six years or so. And so he married a woman, though, that was only about two years older than my mom. And uh, creating very difficult, as you can imagine, in the home. Real tension there. My mom felt a call to ministry, and not many women did back then, but my mom did. She felt like God was calling her to ministry, so she was going to go to college. But her dad said, you know what? Women don't go to college. And that was true back then. Not too many did. It wasn't really a thing he thought she should do. So he wouldn't help her. So she went to work and made enough money that she went one year to school by her own self. And then she would come home and she'd work the next year and make enough money to go the next year. She went to Fort Wayne Bible College. And most of you probably have never heard of it, but a few of you know what I'm talking about. She worked at a company when she wasn't going to school called Ward Stilson. She met a man there named John Dill. That's my dad. She met him when he wasn't a Christian. He was working on the loading dock and she would work in the office. He asked her out and she told him no because he wasn't a Christian. She wasn't going to date non-Christian. But he started attending church. He asked her where she went to church and he would go and he would sit and listen. And eventually God got hold of his heart and he changed his life. And my dad got saved and so they started going out. My dad also felt a call to ministry and after a year or so they both headed off to Fort Wayne Bible College and my mom finished up that year that she was in and my dad dropped out because he realized college just wasn't his thing and he went back to work and my mom went back to work again and they back and forth until she had finally finished all the way through paying for it a little at a time as she could and then going to school and then dropping out and going back and until she had finished my dad's family was a man named Charles and his wife Emma Dill they lived in Fortville Indiana my grandfather was a farmer his dad was born blind, had been born in Paris, Illinois, and was brought to Indianapolis to attend the school for the blind, where he learned a trade, making brooms. I know we don't have too many broom makers in the church, but, but that's what he did. He literally made brooms and sold them. My grandfather grew up pretty rough selling vegetables on the streets of Crawfordsville that he and his mom would raise. My grandparents had seven children, five that survived into adulthood. They were very poor. And I tell you this part because this has affected my life in the way I run the church. My, my grandmother was a Methodist. She was a devout believer, but she felt she could not go to church because her clothes weren't nice enough. That's why I don't wear a suit and tie in church. I quit because when I heard that story, I said, I'm not going to do that. Because I'm not going to stop anybody from coming to our church because the clothes aren't nice enough. That just makes my heart hurt for her. I never met her either. She died when my dad was 13 in a car accident on January the 1st. My dad was born with a disease that they would diagnose today called Osberger's disease. He's very struggles with social things. He always did. Back then, no one understood, and he was considered incorrigible. His father, most of all, did not understand why my dad acted the way he did. And so he would take my dad and lock him in the shed and say, you have to stay in there. You have to spend the nights in the shed away from the rest of the family because he was just trying to, to figure this all out. Dad and mother were married in 1953. They pastored a church for a very short time. I've told you that. And I'm telling you all this to point out to you that God is using all the things, all the moments, all the stories of my life, and all the stories of your life, all the good things, all the bad things, all the happy times, the painful times, all things. You hear me on that? All things to lead us to him. All things. All things. Every one of the events that make up my life and that make up yours are like a float or a marching band or an equestrian show in the parade of our lives. 
One after another, these events line up. And as they line up, Jesus leads the parade called life. And he leads you by these events to become the person that you are. And to lead you to know him and to accept him. The only thing that I can say in there is, is you got to let him. Okay? Because a lot of us are fighting back on that and say no. Kind of like what Madison talked about. No, I, I'm not going to accept that. That, that. That's too harsh. I can't do that. that. That doesn't work in my life. No. He leads us in triumph. And I get to emphasize this, that, that Jesus is not just leading us. He's leading us in triumph over Satan and sin if we let him. You know, Satan gets involved in our lives and he means to cause harm. He means to tear down. He means to kill. He means to destroy. He wants to cause you so much pain that you give up. He wants you to start cutting. He wants you to use drugs. He wants you to start drinking. He wants you to say, I can't. He wants you to say, it's not fair. He means to kill you. But Jesus, he takes all the events of our lives for generation after generation after generation and he creates a heritage for us and a parade and he leads us in that parade and in that heritage in triumph over Satan. He defeats him. And I got to tell you some good news this morning. If you will let Jesus, he will lead you in triumph past Satan. I'm telling you right now, it's an awesome thing. It's a victory parade. It's like, check this out, Satan. You meant to cause death. You meant to cause hurt. You meant to destroy. But I've taken it and I've made a victory out of it. Romans 8, 28. I know we all know that verse. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him called according to his purpose and we often misquote it and we say things like God does good in people's lives and then stuff happens like Madison was talking about when her mother got cancer and died and there's no way you can call that good that's a bad thing but here's the deal God takes all the things not just a little bit of them but even the bad things and turns them into good for those who love him and you say well what's the good I'm not sure I understand all of that I don't either but I know that he says he will and that he is if you look at what it really says, in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So bad things happen to good people. They do. Anybody tells you that good things are always going to happen after you get saved is lying to you. That's Satan. That's not God talking. I just want you to know that. Some people will get cancer in this world. Paul said we will face trials in this world. Some people are going to get killed in car wrecks. My grandmother died of being anemic. They didn't know that back then, how to stop that. Isn't that sad? But she still died. Babies still get sick. Kids still will use drugs. Jobs we count on are going to close, and we're going to have to figure this out. My big one, we are going to be frequently misunderstood. I am frequently misunderstood. But in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things. Not in the good things, in all things. Here's what happens if we let him. God takes our situation, he takes our circumstances. He takes our pain, he takes our hurts, and he uses them to lead us to become who we are. And he lines them up in a procession. And he taunts Satan with them. I love this. He taunts Satan. You know, you ever watch people taunt somebody else? You know, you go up and you know, you're kind of like the bully and they, everybody taunts him or whatever. 
And he taunts Satan with it. You tried. You tried to destroy her. You tried to destroy him. You thought you'd won. But you snake, I overcame you. And I have defeated you. She's mine. And you can't touch her. Take your best shot. You meant it for harm. You meant to lead her to hell. But I chose to lead her to victory. I love that. Praise the Lord for that. My takeaway for you is this. Have you ever taken a good look at your life? I mean, seriously, right now, this is Thanksgiving week. I know it's a little early. It's the earliest Thanksgiving can ever happen because we had a first Thursday on a first. So it can never be earlier than the 22nd. This is it right here. And so today is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I'm going to ask you something. Have you ever really taken a good look at your life? All the circumstances? I mean, go back and begin to just walk it backwards. What all has happened? What all has my life looked like? What kind of things have I gone through? Have you taken it back a few generations? And Maybe you look at it and you go, man, I feel like I'm getting the short end of the stick. Anybody here ever felt like you're getting the short end of the stick when it comes to life? You know, yeah, I, I understand that. I really do. Or maybe your situation's been difficult and you wonder, why God? You know, you, your mom died or your, your dad was absent or, or, or maybe, you know, you did lose that job that seemed like it was the right job for you. And maybe the kids, the wife, you know, you have no idea. She just took off or the husband. He just seemed to think somebody else was better. You know, well-known people like that. And you wonder why, God. Or maybe it's been a really blessed life. Everything you want has been yours and it's worked out and you just are sitting there going, man, I don't know why they talk like this because it just doesn't seem like there's that many things. But as you think about it, you wonder, why was I blessed? And they weren't. See, the reality is, is that God is working and allowing and taking all the circumstances that you and I call history. And he is using them for your good. He is working it out. He's got them locked together. See, at Christmas time, I, I get out my train. Anybody else like to do that? I get out my train at Christmas time. I don't put it around the tree. I try to buy more track. I'm trying to put it all the way around the house. I want to make Darcy crazy with it. That's my goal. And I want the dog to just, like, go get in his cage and stay there completely out of the way forever, you know, because I'm running my train during Christmas time. And that's what God does. He locks us together one train car after another to pull us in triumphant procession. To pull us in a triumphant procession. He's taking our history. He's locking all those moments together. And as we take a moment to look at all the circumstances we call life, we need to recognize the parade Jesus is leading us in. Because it's not just any old parade, but it's a triumphant parade. And he's at the front of it. And we need to rejoice and celebrate and be thankful for all he's done. And there's the deal. If you haven't surrendered to God yet, because that's what Madison was talking about. She came down here that day right here, about right here. And she prayed and she surrendered to God that day. She said, yes, I'm going to give him everything. And he did it. And he did it. And he's got her locked in that parade now. And she's walking in triumphal, in triumphal procession with God. You need to do that. If you haven't done that right now, yeah, please come up. If you haven't done that right now, you need to thumb your nose at Satan. You need to say, I'm not going to let you have these things. I'm not going to let you win. I'm not going to let you destroy. I'm not going to let you tear down. Right now, I want in on the parade. And you need to jump in. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18 says to give thanks and everything for this is the will of God for you in Christ. And that's how we accomplish this. We begin to say yes to the Lord and then we give thanks and he begins to lead. And we give thanks because Jesus is using every moment, even that moment that you can't understand, that hurt to the bone to lead us in triumph over him and sin and death. This week, a lot of you are going to gather with your family. You're going to sit around a big old fat turkey and you're going to eat it. It's going to be good. And you're going to watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. It'll be fun. It'll be glorious. But can you imagine that day when we are all gathered at home for the big feast that God is getting ready for us right now? Can you imagine sitting down around the table with our Father and all those who have gone? That feast of all feasts. And there's going to be a parade before we eat. And it's not going to be the Thanksgiving Day parade. It's going to be the parade with Jesus at the front. And he's going to lead us in a triumphal procession. And he's going to make Satan sit and watch it. And all of his demons are going to be there with him. And he's going to say, watch this. And he's going to parade us by. I don't know how you're sitting there right now. Man, I am just blown away by that. He's going to walk us by. And he's going to say, see, you didn't win. You tried. But you didn't win. I won. Right now, God wants to win. I know some of you are dealing with some bad stuff. But God is bigger than anything you're facing right now. And he will win. We just need to say yes right now. Like Madison told us today. showed us. Right now, I want you to stand with me. Nathan's going to lead us. And I think there's a lot of people who just need to get on their knees and get real honest and say, God, I, I don't want to lose. I'm, I'm tired of being in this fight. I'm tired of getting beat up. And I'm tired of seeming, seemingly life making no sense. And I'm ready to let you lead. And I invite you to come right now and just to be at the altars and let's pray. Let's just pray and say, there's only one thing you can do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm ready to do it. Yes, Lord. Would you come right now? Let's do it.